Live at the Thomas and Mac for UNLV versus Utah State, it's Cofield and Company. Entry stolen! UNLV ball! Gilbert misses, put back, It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Well, I was here at the Thomas and Mac against Air Force. I knew it was loud. That sounded really loud. That was an exciting ending. That was CBS Sportsnet. John Sadak on the call. And Barrett Perry's with us, one of the assistants for the Rebels. It's amazing. First of all, how are you doing? Very good. Thanks it's, for having me. It's amazing. As it's Cofield and Willie here on the concourse of Thomas and Mac. We're getting ready for a senior night as UNLV takes on Utah State. It's amazing the, the mood change when you get a win like that. Because, I felt, man, towards the end of the game, I'm like, this is going to be tough to come out of if they lose the, you know, this grinder type yeah. game moving forward. And it just like, it's, it so energizes everything uh, just because you made some really key plays down the stretch. Yeah. Very proud of the guys. I mean, they hung with it and we'd lost a couple games like that. You know, one thing that I, I was, you know, frustrated with a little bit is I don't think people realized how good air force had been recently. They'd blown out New Mexico and beating Wyoming coming into our game. So we knew we were going to have a test and then not having all the guys. Um, and it's so awkward. It's so different. And we're only playing them one time. Right. So the prep was – obviously people wore that out. But the prep is different. It always is. And for the guys to stay with it and <laughs> to the very end, you mm-hmm. know, 39 minutes, 58 seconds to finally finish it off. So there you go. Yeah, I believe Air Force, if they can keep their sophomores around, because it's always the question, you know, going into the junior year, that's when they really make the commitment and they're in the Air Force. Um, if they can keep those guys around like Hydebrader, I, I think this is the best group I've seen in you know, whatever, 12, 15 years. Uh, freshmen and sophomores together, they have five, six, seven usable guys who can be high-level players. Yeah, I hope the portal wrecks them. I hope those guys jump ship and want to get out of there. It has happened before. And and not serve their country. (laughs) No, they they do a great job, and and people really need to respect those kids in that group and that program because they do a great job. So big win over Air Force, so that gets the uh, the program going back and at least the feeling around the program going back in the right direction. I want to talk about what happened at the end, though, because not only did you guys get the steal – um, and then, you know, you start – everyone's, you know, going up, uh, trying to tip the ball in, and EJ gets it done. I thought what EJ did down the stretch was pretty sick, considering the fact that he got off to a slow start. Like, at the threes he took during the game, I thought were good threes, but he was 0 for 6 from 3. Yeah. He initially came out 3 of 10, and then when you guys needed buckets yeah. and he wasn't making the threes, like, all right, time to potentially get old-fashioned threes. And yeah. then he got a couple of those in the final minute. He is almost impossible to stop. If he beats you off the dribble and gets near the rim – he just finishes. He's been really, really good late so many times for us in, in wins and some tough losses. Uh, you know, I thought he made some great decisions. You know, we had to play, what was it, under a minute when we tried to run a flare to get uh, Webb a three in the corner. They took away Webb, and then uh, Shane slipped it, and EJ found him for that dunk to cut it to two. I thought EJ made all the right plays at the end, not just the tip, but, you know, as we went into that last possession or two, we get the steal, Shane deflects the ball on the ball, and then uh, uh, Jackie's able to, you know, get the steal, come downhill with it. I think old Jackie in November and December would have just jacked it up, no pun intended. And I thought he came downhill with it, shared it to uh, KG, he put it on the rim, and then EJ finished it. So there was a lot of good little plays that I was proud of the guys with. 
So let's talk about tonight. I, I'm curious. I'm always curious about this, especially when the, with the number of seniors on this team. Mm-hmm. Um, you you want to pay tribute. It, it can be a distraction. You want to make sure some of the guys get in, get their playing time at least once. Moms and dads may be here, whatever the case is. To do so against a team with the number one effective field goal percentage in the league, a high-octane offense, how do you sort of measure and remind these guys, hey, it's great, and and I've seen a lot of teams do do their – we're going to, you know what, we're going to celebrate you after the game, win or lose. Yeah. We're going to honor yeah. you afterwards. How do you make sure you, we stay focused on the task at hand? Well, I think that we've reminded the guys a lot the last couple of days that we have a lot to play for still, and our momentum is good. And this is, uh, first and foremost, we need to do everything in our power to win for these seniors that are done and make it a special night for them. Again, you bring up a really good point where there can be distractions. Guys have extra family coming in town, family and friends. You pay tribute to them before the game. It's different. It's just a different night. Um, I do think we have a mature team that understands, you know, their job right now. And it should be interesting. But we really appreciate these seniors and all that they've done. And they've done a great job for us. I think you can show them the film of the last Utah State game because that was annoying at the end. Uh, first of all, the first half, Funk, you know, and he's a good three-point shooter. Yeah, but that was yeah. insanity. He's a 6'8 guy, and I think he made 6 to 7 yeah. in the first half. But the, the final minute, you guys fought back into that game in the final minute. Just, again, it was one of those close games that did not go your way. Frankly, and you don't have to comment on this, but the charge call against Keyshawn Hall was nonsense. Dan Akin did a good job of uh, getting whatever award he should have got the floss on. But anyway, that that was very a tur- painful, similar to the one that we won't talk about from Boise a week or so ago. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the I put, handshake. I, excuse I, me, the handshake. I put yeah, that video out a bunch of times of uh, you know McCabe defending Shaver really effectively oh. down to like four seconds, and then in a rough game they call a touchdown. Anyway. Um, but the other thing was Ashworth, right? Yeah. Ashworth being a slip on a, you know, the, the, the switch wasn't executed properly. I mean, that's yeah. that right there. I mean, that, that team's had a really good year, and they're an offensive juggernaut. You just show the team that game and go, hey, you got to get them back. Yeah. No, and I think we've done that, and we've used that. You know, we reminded them in, what, 16 and a half minutes in the second half leading into the, the last media uh, we'd only give up 19 points. You know, obviously the first half we weren't very good, but we figured something out, some things out, made some adjustments. I think you'll see us be a little bit different with a couple of their guys tonight as well. But Ashworth's done a tremendous job all season long. I mean, he's really become a good quarterback on that team and really knows how to play the game. He's a little bit old school, but he really does yeah. a good job. Well, I said to Jordan McCabe yesterday, and it was, you know, I said he doesn't look the part, but uh-huh. you know, Jordan doesn't look the part, and you know. Um, but Ashworth has turned into a tremendous player. I mean, he's a really savvy dude, and I don't want to use all the, you know, the kind of the, the white things, and when, yeah. you know, heady and all that crap, because he's, he's actually athletic, and yeah. he, he's yeah, a really he's good player. He's got some quickness, but yeah. he's, he's got some John Stockton as yeah. well. So, yeah. We'll, well, well, the thing is, when you look around the league and you look at some of the results for you guys, point guards really have been tough for you guys. You consider Isaiah Stevens. You wound up splitting with him. Mm-hmm. Ashworth got you once. Mm-hmm. Isaiah Hill, who's very underappreciated, got you – Twice, Twice, and then freaking Shaver, who is really underrated, but yeah. you know, it just has complete control of the game. He got you. Shaver's been tremendous, and as he's been healthy, you know, you saw that in their win. When was it, two nights ago or last night? Which one? When they beat last San night? Diego yeah, State? Was that last night? Yeah, yeah, last night. Um, yeah, Shaver's the head of that snake, and when they're when they're fully loaded, that's a good team. So it's funny. We talked to you. It seems like you know years ago, but months ago, when the season was at a different point. And if we had told you at that point, hey, Shane Noel is going to really be an important part of the rotation. He wasn't playing. Yeah. And look at how much has changed. And I love that you mentioned what EJ did on the slip, right, in, in recognizing the slip to get the pass to Shane. Yeah. But 
Shane's instincts to play basketball, having yeah. not played a whole lot at Arizona and here yeah. early on, it's pretty incredible. Well, uh, yeah, you, re you reminded me it's such a long season. It seems like a lifetime ago, the first time we did this. Um, Shane, give Shane all the credit in the world. He stuck with it. He had to wait his turn. He was not ready in November and December. He was really not ready. He was still young and, for lack of a better term, dumb. But, you know, he, he just was not ready yet. And so he's gotten himself ready. Give him all the credit in the world that he stuck with it. And then we had some injuries. You know, we've had Lou and EP go out, so we had to try some different things. We've played him at a couple different spots. He has a huge defensive job tonight on Funk. And uh, he's answered the call. He's shot the ball well. He's rebounded the ball well. He has no idea how good he could be. We remind him all the time. I tell him, you know, you know, like, like we told him at the end of the game, this is a true story. We told him, I said, Shane, if you can deflect this ball, we'll have a chance. He got a piece of it. Jackie steals it. We get to win the game. And then a second deflection he got, too, at the end, right, where it went out of bounds from 1.8 to 1.5 or 4 or something like that and made it go on the side and they couldn't move. That was a big play. So Shane's done everything we've asked him to do, and he really stuck with it when it was challenging for him when he first got here. But he wasn't ready when he first got here, and he's really, really improved, and he's going to be a good player here for a long time. 8 o'clock game tonight, 7.30 with Runner Rebel warm-up. Barrett Perry is with us, the uh, Runner Rebel's assistant coach. So let's talk about the seniors. Let's actually start with Cameron Burris because, uh, you know, I'm out here at practice every once in a while, and yeah. I don't think people realize with, with walk-ons how important the role is in between the games because oftentimes it appears that Burris – may actually play the primary target at guard yeah. on the other side. So that means you're getting the crap kicked out of you in practice. <laughs> Cam has a bullseye on his chest yeah. every prep. He's, he's the go-to guy, whether he's, you know, it just depends on the game, but he's always the go-to guy. <laughs> so it's not just guard. It he's could be Bradley at San Diego State. He's Rice at Boise. It doesn't matter. He's the go-to guy, and he has the bullseye on his chest. And uh, he answers the bell, and he'll put some baskets on us for sure. A talented kid, but more importantly, a great human being. And he's been, been a great teammate and a great guy to work with and local guy that we absolutely love. And Parquet's story is crazy because, he, you know, he has – such experience, and he had a really good career, especially defensively in the Pac-12. He comes here. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's one of the stars of the team and a linchpin of the team, and then he gets injured. And, you know, Kevin Kruger said it multiple times. He feels a little bit bad for Elijah because he's not getting to close out this fifth year, his senior year, yeah. the way he wanted to. Uh, I'm emotional about EP, you know, when you bring that up. You remember I can see it just like it was yesterday. When he went down against Washington State, he dislocates his kneecap. Nobody realizes how serious it was pops it back in and walks off the floor. You have no idea that he got hurt that bad. He stays out for a number of weeks. He comes back. We, we can see from day one he's not the same, you know, because he, he was elite when he was healthy, and, and we were elite defensively when he was healthy. But when he comes back, uh, just not the same person. And then when he tweaked it again, it was like we just need to shut it down because we want him to have a long, bright future. And right. the, the risk of him injuring it while he's not at 100% right now is too great and not worth it for our program to put him in that situation. Speaking with UNLV assistant coach Barrett Perry here at Thomas & Mack tonight, tip-off 8 o'clock. It is senior night against Utah State. You know, we always say as parents, yeah, we learn from our kids. What have you learned from this squad and taken personally as a coach, as an assistant, working with them day in, day out. Um, what have you taken and learned to and come to appreciate from this squad? Uh, I really appreciate this group showing up every day, you know. Like, I, I'll give them the old, you know, sounds corny, but the hashtag show up. Show up, show up, show up. These guys show up every day. We practice and we get after it and they show up. But these seniors have been a big deal with EP and Jordan and EJ and even Cam 
guys that you know lead it and show up every day and, and set the tone for how it needs to be. They've really been a resilient group. You know, um, it, it's not a secret that when we were 10-0 and healthy and everybody was doing good and then we thought we were also getting Isaiah back sometime soon, we thought we were going to be in a different spot at this time. We still have great opportunity to make a run, win a ball game tonight, and have more momentum coming into March Madness because here we are on March 1st. But this has been a really good group that I respect, and they show up. You look at some of the wins that they had, too, Dayton, Washington State. There was a certain point in the middle of the season where all of a sudden it was like, well, was Dayton really a good win when they were starting to fall up? But now yeah. they're performing well in the Atlantic 10. you got Washington State performing well in the Pac-12. Can you feed back to that a little bit, use it on these final two games, remind them, hey, it's senior night, and then up with the in-state rival to close out the season to carry that into the Mountain West tournament? Yeah, because it's easy to remind them that they've they've done it. They've shown that they can beat the people that we've had on the schedule that are high level and people think that are good. I think that we can play with anybody when we're right, and uh, we've shown that. So uh, I think tonight is a great opportunity. I think you'll see us be good tonight, and I think we'll be ready. Let's finish up with uh, Coach Peary by talking about the other two seniors and one in E.J. Harkless who – He's emerged as a 20-point-per-game guy mm-hmm. in the Mountain West Conference. But there are times where you can bring in a guy like that, and it's he's not a team guy. Yeah. So he's been productive, but he's also had the team in mind. Yeah, he's done a good job. And, and he's, you know, the biggest challenge with EJ was is he missed a huge chunk of the summer uh, when he got here. He was hurt. And so we didn't get to get our hands on him like we wanted to. And so it was a little bit of a slow start. Um, I've known EJ when he was at Northridge and when he was in high school and then at Oklahoma coaching against him when I was at Tech and he was at Oklahoma, so very familiar with him. EJ's a competitor. You know, that's the complimentary word of him is EJ's a competitor. He wants to win. He's very competitive. He can be very emotional at times, but like I always tell people, I'd rather rather have a guy that you have to reel in than rev up when it comes to basketball and competitiveness. He does a great job, and he's had a great senior year for us. And then the other senior who spent a couple of years here in Jordan McCabe, who has admitted that even he's changed over time. Like he came here, he thought he'd get a little more playing time. He mm-hmm. did initially, but then his role changed because Keyshawn Gilbert came out, hot as a pistol to start the year. Yeah. Then you need McCabe again. So he's kind of been a master of adjusting all the time to what his role mm-hmm. has been and what is needed. Yeah. Well, keyword master. I mean, he's been a master of doing whatever we ask, and, and he's been a pro about it. I have a ton of respect for Jordan because no matter what his role has been from game to game, uh, he's taken his role. He's had some good games. He's had some tough games and everything in between. But, you know, he, he's really helped us get through some challenging times when, you know, when we were down a bunch of bodies and people needed to play spots they weren't used to and this and that. He's been really good. And, and you know, all these guys are guys that you hope you have a great relationship for a long, long time. But they've really represented UNLV well, and I'm proud of them. You guys fired up? You have a lot of stake. You can really improve your, you know, your – you're uh, standing down the stretch here, feel better with some more wins, also move up in terms of the seeds. You, you have yeah. a chance to make a run. We have a chance to make a run. We can improve our, our seed. We can improve our momentum. We can improve, improve how we feel about it going into next week. So it's a great week for us, great opportunity. All right, Coach. We appreciate it. We'll take a time out. Coming up in about 15, we'll get back into football. Wide receiver Martavis Bryant, formerly of the Steelers and Raiders, now with the Vipers, will be with us. Want the skinny on UNLV football? Listen to the weekly UNLV All Access podcast with Cofield and Caleb Herring. A new episode drops each Thursday morning at UNLV All Access on Twitter. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live at the Thomas and Mack. Senior night, come on out. Plenty of time to get here. 8 o'clock start. Thomas and Mack, UNLV running Rebels. 
trying to move up in the seeds, can max out at as high as the sixth seed in the Mountain West Conference Tournament, could sit in the eight hole. I don't think you want to be seven or eight. One, you're going to have to play your win no matter what uh, from the Wednesday slate to Thursday. But San Diego State and Boise mm. are really good, even though they've you know had some missteps. I mean, San Diego State lost to Boise last night. Boise lost over the weekend to San Jose State. Um, they're not. They haven't been good matchups. I mean, better matchup against Boise. San Diego State was just a tough game in in both cases. So we'll get back to a little run around basketball in just a bit. XFL football coming up. Do I want to do this for the second straight day? We talked Barkley and him crapping on the current day players when it comes to load management, saying that they're a bunch of bums who are making two and three hundred million dollars. That drives me freaking nuts. And also Barkley saying that. You know, players should feel appreciative. They're lucky. Like, bro, you guys were lucky in the 80s as compared to the guys in the 60s and 50s. Don't do not do stuff like that. Um, Are you with load management? I'm not doing load management today. I just can't do it. I can see, no, bo- no, no. I can see both asking, sides. I'm, just, I, I'm not asking for a debate I, I or a conversation. See... Are you for it? Yes or no? End of story. That's all I'm asking. Well, it's not. I don't think it's a yes or no. I think oh. there's a gray area. Okay. Right. So well, let's move on then. Yeah. No, I think there's, there is there is a gray area. Okay. I didn't know. I I didn't get a chance to listen. Yeah. To what it. do you think? <laughs> there you I go. Uh, I understand it, but um, Steve, I need load management. I mean, there's people that have to work every single day that could never tell their boss, "I need load management." Right. Let's just put it that way. But my response to that is like, if it's you and I who need some okay, time off and we can't get time off, we're ordinary. I like, got it's a mean, It's mean, but we're very replaceable. You know, uh, whoever, LeBron or Steph Curry are are not replaceable, so they have more rights. They have more power in the workplace than we do. I got real quick for you, okay? The You know that I have a deal with a cattle company where they send me beef every single, right? Okay. Today on their story on Instagram, the guy is up there in North Dakota in a blizzard in his John Deere pulling and explain. And he's doing, he goes, if you if you're wondering how we feed the cattle on days like this, and he's showing how they have these two barrels, and it mixes it evenly so every morsel of every bite, they're fed properly, and how he won't go into the barn to force them to come out to the cold, let them do it on their own so there's no stress in the meat, so they don't get knots in their muscles and so on and so forth, like he's explained it, but in the middle of this blizzard, he doesn't get load management. He doesn't get, he doesn't get and he certainly doesn't make as much money as those guys. I'm just saying, there's a lot of people that would like to take time off that can't. That's all. But I do understand it. They're putting their bodies through a lot. Hey, it is what it is. Play every single day. Next. <laughs> three six four eleven hundred. Let's give away some Bonnie Ray tickets. Three six four one one zero zero. It's caller number seven. She's playing at the Venetian Theater. I was just there the other night. Fantastic venue, and Bonnie Raitt's going to be there on the uh, the fifteenth, the seventeenth, the eighteenth of March. Ari's got a pair of tickets for Bonnie Raitt right now. Caller seven three six four eleven hundred. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Willie G. Ramirez or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. You're listening to Cofield and Company live at the Thomas and Mac.
Cofield and Company, Thomas and Mac. We got an 8 o'clock tip tonight, 7.30 with Running Rebel Warm-Up. We'll cut out at 6. John and Curtis are back. I'll be doing the sidelines at uh, 7.30. And again, Utah State in town. Utah State very much in the mix for an NCAA bid. A lot on the line tonight. Utah State loses to the Rebels. They've got an uphill climb come the Mountain West Conference Tournament. Same thing this Saturday against Nevada. I love this time of year. Is this your favorite time of year? Or are you so much pro, you know, pro football, college football, that you love that portion no, of the year more? You know, you know why. You already know the answer, and you know why I I enjoy these this really this upcoming week, and it's more so than anything is um my love for covering women's basketball and uh, Pac-12 is my assignment. I, I I will be out there starting tomorrow, and I just really I think I honestly think. That I, I know it's unfair to do this like with college football, right? You always we always hear like it's it's not fair to compare the number one team in the nation to the worst team in the NFL. They're pros versus college. Shut up. College basketball, same thing. But you know what? The Pac-12 is as close as you're going to get to WNBA basketball or professional women because of the just when you get down to the semis in the championship. I absolutely love it. I'm going to be covering the greatest college basketball coach. All due respect, RIP Pat Summit, but in Tara Vanderveer. I'm a big fan of Dia Barnes from Arizona, so I am looking forward to the Pac-12 Women's Tournament. But overall, yeah, because regardless, watching that or men's tournament coming here, West Coast Conference Tournament could be the last run for Julian Strother with Gonzaga. They're going to be in town. Um, and all the conferences come here. It gets you fired up for the big dance. West Coast Conference Tournament on the men's side. I saw some odds, offshore odds the other day. Mm. St. Mary's favored. They are favored. Mm. Something I don't think I've ever seen before that uh, – St. Mary's was minus 125 to win the tournament. Gonzaga minus 115. And then next up was like 6-1. to one, And then six of the teams were like 500-1. to one. They split the regular season series, both on each other's home court. Uh, Randy Bennett, coach of the year today. Drew Timmy, uh, player of the year. Julian Strother and Timmy both got first team. It's going to come down to, I think, St. Mary's defense and if Gonzaga can penetrate it. Really. really. It's come, they're coming to a neutral court. And... Bennett does a good job, and I honestly think that Bennett at times can outcoach Mark Few. I think Mark Few shows his hand. We already He's too predictable. He's too predictable. Damn, look at you. Yeah. Let's get into some XFL Vipers at home again. Got to get a win. Got to get a win, right? Uh, they played well at times. Martavis Bryant is one of the members of the Vipers, of course, uh, former Raider, former Steeler as well. He's up with Cofield and company. How are you, sir? Doing great. How y'all doing tonight? We're good. So, how you feeling so far about uh, this run in the XFL? Um, I know Willie's been out there to cover it. I've watched some of it. It appears to be pretty high level football. Well, it's going pretty good. You know, it's just, it's good to be back playing football again. A lot of guys here are excited. You know, we're working hard. Unfortunately, we ain't started how we wanted to, but uh, you know, this week we're looking to get away. Uh, Martavis, on on that, you know, I was at last week's game and. There were there were parts of it. Steve said, you know, you we're watching high level football, but there were parts of that game where it looked. I don't know if it was the field conditions. I don't know if it was the rain kicking in. I'm not sure if it was nerves. Um, part of it, it looked like. I mean, there was one. I I want to say it was Brett that threw a dime over your shoulder and a perfect on an out pattern toward the sideline, and you hauled it in. Um, there were right. a couple of passes that were tough to haul in, but in general, uh, I think it was hit or miss. Um, what on the what are the sides that you as a veteran and someone who who's played right made it to the league see with this team that 
are they little minor things that just need to be wrinkled? The wrinkles need to be ironed out in certain areas. It's just little small things, little details. You know, um, guys just being focused and having me in on what coaches are talking about during the week. We just got to spend a lot of more time on the small things and do the little things right in there, lead to the explosive plays. So, you know, guys have been doing a good job this week of getting better, you know, and um, for a better outcome comes back. Rod made us certainly feel as if we were in and talk about big time football. We, I felt like we were in an NFL post game press conference. He was a little grizzled. He wasn't too happy. Because <laughs> someone asked a question and he was like, "Well, how do you think I feel?" <laughs> you know. So uh, it kind of right. reminded me of being in a post game presser. But the one thing he says, "Hey, hey you know." We've outscored teams 23 in the first half. We've been outscored, I think it's 37-6 in the second. Um, what is taking place? You're, you're Again, you're a veteran. What What's going on in the second half? Is it complacency? Why can't the rhythm and the groove flow into the second half with this team? I feel like we just um, – I ain't howling in on the details. We ain't finishing. You know, we got to play four quarters of football and not just a half and uh, – you know, I, I really can't really say what it is. I mean, I just think that we just got to do a better job in the second half and just treat it as a brand new ball game again. Guys, not get complacent. You know, as long as we don't get complacent, I feel like things will be better. This not to give away any trade secrets, but uh, who's been working mostly at the one at quarterback? We talked to Brett Hunley at the beginning of the week, and I think he anticipated working as the one. So who's been getting most of the time getting ready for this game? Uh, guys, been they've been they've been switching in and out. So okay. it's really been pretty much even, you know. So ain't nobody thinking more than another, you know what I'm saying? So for you, what's the difference uh, between the two guys? Um, I feel like Brighton uses his legs a little bit more than Lewis does. Lewis is like a, a, a pocket QB, so it goes, those guys' play styles a little bit different. For you, Martavis, what's your ultimate goal out of this? I'm just thankful to be back playing football again, but my ultimate goal is to get back to where I want to be. You know, I want to be back playing in the NFL, so, you know – in order for me to do that, I got to put my we got to I got to handle business here. So I'm just taking it one day at a time. To be honest with you, what have you been doing in the meantime between you know football in terms of getting ready for the future, a, a job or whatever vocation? What are you interested in? Um, I just been just talking to my agents and just just stand focused and take care of my business. You know, I want to I want to play in the league again. So that's my ultimate goal, and uh, and that's what I'm focused on. You've had uh, you, you played one road game and then one at home, and I'm sure you've watched some of the games on TV. I do got I got to go back and just ask you about the field. It, I, I mean, uh-huh. I know I know they're doing the best that they can out there. There was a strip that went right through it. I think there was some machinery that tore through the. So they they pat, it was like a patchwork. Um, just your opinion, honest opinion. I mean, as far as the field conditions, I'm sure you would like it to be have been better. Um, Allegiant obviously was out of the question. There's a stadium right. out near Henderson. Gorman, I, I don't think that that was a match. But in terms of what they provided, was that a tough, tough surface to play on? I mean, I, I didn't feel like it was until it started raining and slowed a lot of guys down. But for the beginning of the game and everything, my footing and everything seemed pretty good on the field. You know, it was grass, so I had no good place at all. Especially Wait. been practicing on turf, so it was good to be back on grass. I kind of likened it to I, I was sitting up there in the press box and I was kind of likening it to I was like, geez, it reminds me when I, you know, got to the to you get to. Uh, the midget level just before uh, just before high school and Pop Warner football. It just looked like, you know, outside of you guys being giant pros, <laughs> I was just looking at the field. And the, but uh, the environment was good, I thought. I mean, before everybody bailed when it was raining, I mean, the crowd came right. in for the first game. Right, the crowd did come out. And we appreciate those, all our fans, and we hope they come back again this weekend. 
Martavis, we appreciate it, man. Thank you for the time. Thank you all. There he is, Martavis Bryant. You can get tickets for the Saturday's game, 4 o'clock. Seattle Sea Dragons are in town at Cashman. There's three more games at home after this. It's a 10-game season. Vipers playing good defense. Frankly, it seems like across the league the defenses have been ahead of the offenses. And, a little bit. Um, I only got to see a little bit of UNLV football practice this morning, but the portions I saw when they were playing 11-on-11, 11 11, yeah. uh, the defense – and they actually have more veterans back on defense. The defense was – on fire this morning. I think early in football in general, defenses are ahead of offense. And especially this, you know, these guys, this is a totally new group. Now, so is the defense. But not to, not to sound, you know, sort of like a rube when it comes to, or a noob when it comes to football. Mm. But there is a certain philosophy to defenses. There's obviously a lot of coaching, but a lot of it is just go get the ball. Just stop the ball and go get the ball. Offense can be more intricate. And when you're putting all these new guys together, sometimes it takes a a little while to match because, frankly, scoring across the league has not been high. In the XFL? Yeah. Well, I think I want to say – Orlando exploded for 30. I think three of the first four games actually went over the posted number. Now, the books were p- placing low numbers on them, and so they're just getting a vibe. They were numbers, you know, 35 and a half and lower – um, and now they're sort of near the, that general preseason number you see in the NFL. Um, Seattle comes in. They're both winless, by the way. Seattle Sea Dragons, minus three at Vegas on Saturday. 38.5 is the total. Um, I'm just looking here. Vegas is the only home dog this, this week. And, uh, yeah, so and it's the highest total. So maybe expecting a shootout for each team looking for their first win of the season. It should be a good game, though. I, I mean, it, it really should because Rod Woodson, like I said, he came in post-game. He was he was not happy, and I and I don't think that he was per- taking – it wasn't personal. I don't think any of the media should have took it apart, taken it personal, but it was the, the, the questions. You know, hey, you know, Rod, what happened? Well, if I knew the answer, then it wouldn't happen. You know, he, he just – he wasn't happy, but – uh, and he's a fiery guy, so I would expect that he's going to have these guys ready. And with the number of former NFL players in that locker room, that's, it can't be sitting well that they're coming out in the second half getting steamrolled. Mick Ultra Arena is going to be hosting the Pac-12 Women's Tournament. Starts up, uh, what, tomorrow, right? Tomorrow, Friday, is the semifinals. We've got tickets to the Pac-12 Women's Tournament, the final. Check that. Semifinals. Willie was just talking about, he mentioned Arizona and Stanford. If everything holds, one and four will go against each other. This Friday, we got uh, two games, two tickets, 364-1100, Pac-12 tournament, AXS.com is where you can grab your tickets. Again, it's at Mick Ultra Arena. The tournament starts this week and goes through the weekend. 364-1100, 364-1100, caller 7. Want the skinny on UNLV football? Listen to the weekly UNLV All Access podcast with Cofield and Caleb Herring. A new episode drops each Thursday morning at UNLV All Access on Twitter. Game time, 8 o'clock tonight, 7.30 with running Rebel warm-up. John and Curtis, it's Willie, it's Cofield. We're set up at uh, 106. We'll be out here for the entire week of the Mountain West Conference Tournament, I think, at this location. So uh, most of us, most of us will be on the scene here Monday through Friday next week to follow the beginning of the week and the Lady Rebels' effort to get into the NCAA Tournament. And we'll see what the men do. Boy, it would help if they could win these last two games we'll break down the utah state matchup in a couple of minutes are you on the broadcast of any of those games you're going to be radio or tv you do tv yeah there's no tv coverage for that because it's all handled by national no not Uh, the tournament the last two games there's national tv 
Oh, they are. Yeah, there was only for the men. I think there was only one or two Mountain West Conference games that didn't get picked up nationally. We're kind of the Silver State and, uh, Sports and Entertainment Network is kind of the buffer mm-hmm. when games aren't picked up on the men's side. And for the women, I think we wound up doing 13 games, 12 games. So a bit hopefully, active. hopefully they, they expand next year, right? Earlier in the show, we were talking about the uh, gap that could be created with AT&T Sportsnet. We don't know what's going to happen with regional sports networks, so maybe there's some bigger TV things on the horizon where everyone in town can get a lot more television coverage. Well, in, in the context, obviously, that Lindy LaRock has in the Pac-12 and around college basketball, um, and the non-conference slate that she's going to begin dialing in for the UNLV Lady Rebels. Do you think she'll do it? Because I thought she would do it this year. What? Load up the non-con. Yeah, it's already come out. She's there's going to be. I mean, next year they're playing Arizona. Oh, send that to me. I didn't see it. Yeah, I'll have to find that. Yeah, there, yeah it came oh, out. I didn't see it. No, so I mean, there's going to be a chance where they're going to get start getting some national exposure. There's going to you're going to see UNLV basketball based off this year into next year's tournament, Lindy or next year's non-conference schedule, and you know Lindy's backstory. You're going to see them on national TV. They're going to get picked up because it's not only you've watched their games. It's not just a matter of like the stature that she's brought to this team. It's it's about the the brand of basketball that they play. It's an exciting brand of basketball. It's Pac-12 basketball. So, yeah, they basically when they want to press, they press, and then uh, most of the games they gas out the opponent by the fourth quarter. But they'll have a lot of returnees next year. And from what I hear, the uh, three commits so far, and that's before they look at anyone in the transfer portal, from what I hear, the three commits they got as freshmen are pretty high-level players. So and they're going to return just about everyone except uh, Justice Etheridge and Essence Booker. But you've seen some of the guards step up. I don't know if you wanted to talk Lady Rebels basketball here, but I'll do it. Um, yeah, but uh, Little Key, Kiar Jackson, had a really good sophomore year. Jasmine Lott, I think, is going to be a superstar. She's going to be really good because she plays both ends of the floor. Remember, Obi Izor went down first third of the season with a torn ACL. And in her stead, Alyssa Brown has stepped up. Basically, every game now, Willie, between Desiree Young and Alyssa Brown, they're getting double-doubles. They're a great one-two duo. They're not true skyscrapers because they're, they're better at facing the basket, and they're both around 6-1. But they are tough and mean and physical. And recruiting, the recruiting strength that Lindy has, um, let's not forget that, you know, it was funny because I was watching a Stanford game, and ever since Cameron Brink got into it with a Colorado player during a Pac-12 tournament, they they tussled, the ball got thrown at one another. It was, it was pretty intense. I think that she's such an, a gritty and just she's a baller. So I texted Lindy. I was like, hey, were you in on the recruiting of – Cameron Brink, she said, well, I w- I'm not going to take credit for her, but I was on the staff. We all, you know, did, do our recruiting, so on and so forth. I was like, she is a baller. I love watching her. And she put, she texted back, baller, all caps, exclamation. Point is, Lindy's known, knows how to recruit, and she's learned how to recruit for a program like Stanford. She's going to go in those living rooms and show what she's done in three years, and she's going to be able to bring in players that you're talking about that have elevated their game. Just imagine what she's going to be bringing in to enhance the roster because they're going to come in and not need to necessarily have their level raised. Stick your hand in there, Dave. All right, what's going on with Barkley? 
I don't know. I mean, this dude is everywhere in the news. He's he's either on first take talking to Molly. He's he's definitely been very outspoken, Steve, about the recent Tiger Woods handoff. Tiger to me is the greatest golfer ever. Shout out to Jack Nicholas, who is right there. Nothing but love and respect for Jack Nicholas. But in my opinion, just my opinion, Tiger's the GOAT. But I was deeply disturbed how people overreacted uh, to the to the tampon joke situation. When he handed it to Justin Thomas as a joke. Secretly. Secretly. I mean, yeah. And after he had outdriven yes, JT. Uh, we got uh, – I'm disgusted that he apologized. I'm not going to lie. Um, these people – and you know who you are, these people who all of a sudden want to try to counsel. I ain't never tried to counsel anybody. If somebody make a mistake, apologize, keep it moving. But I don't know where we got to the point where we can't even tell jokes anymore. And I'm not going to let that happen on my watch and just sit back out of it and let people do that. Interesting. These people. Women? Woke crowd. Women? No. Lots of them? No, I don't think he just means women. I think he think he means anyone that stood up said, you know. Did you any- think? Did you think what he did was perfectly fine? As a guy who's covering female basketball the next couple of days. In today's day and age, Steve, I guess not. It's not. It's not. I, it's not today's day and age. If you actually, put, I don't have if, a problem if, with if, it. Let's if, put it that if way. If you put thought to it, I don't have a problem with it. How if about that? If you put that? thought to it, it's infantile. And what it suggests is, in that case. In Justin Thomas's case, hey, you're a pansy, you're a wimp, you hit like a woman. Now, am I upset about it? No, but if there are enough people okay, upset about it and that's how they take it, then an apology is not the worst thing. And for Barkley to say, like, I wouldn't have done well, he never does it. That's kind of Charles's brand, and maybe that's what people should do because here's the thing. In Tiger Woods' case, the apology doesn't even matter because people don't accept it. Right. They're like, oh, he's always been a creep, and now he's being a creep again. So to his point, like, Let once you get you to a, a question, point, one, there gets to a level with certain guys mm-hmm. where an apology is not even accepted. Let me ask you a question, Steve. I get it. Okay. Yes, that's the, in, the, the, the insinuation is you hit like a woman. Is there any woman on the LPGA tour that can out hit Tiger Woods? I don't know. Okay. I'm I'm assuming not, but maybe there is. I don't know. So I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, if, if that's the case, then from now on, every time that, uh, from a social standpoint and or like on a dating scene, whatever, like if a woman gets and she says T- you're a typical guy, like every other guy, then forget it. You owe us an apology, because it's the same. Well, damn you, know that's, you know that's not the way it's going to work. No, I don't. I don't care. That life's life's tough. If it, it, it was good for the goose, you can, you can it was good for the for gander. Is good for the goose. But I mean, you can't you can't generalize a man and be like typical yes, guy. Yes, or, yes, you can. That's, oh, okay. That's the bad part. Well, then, well, then the, you can generalize women. Yeah. Period. End of story. Everybody's fair game in that case. Well, everyone's not fair game. Life's hard. And guy, and, life's and, tough. And guys have to understand that. And he I, didn't mean any harm by it. That's oh, how, I don't. That, I don't think he did. No, I don't think he did. It's just an infantile locker room joke, and some of that stuff just needs to be filtered out. And guess well, guess what? It's not going to filter out, and it's just there. There are guess what? For every one that gets caught on film and decides to go viral, there's ten more that won't. 
Okay. I'm going to hand you something there, after there, the show. There probably shouldn't be 10 more. Well, life's, life's tough. Guy, guys need to clean it up, need to think it through a little bit. Women need to clean it up and quit generalizing men. Well, yeah, well. There's, there's a whole conversation to be had about uh, if, you, if you sit down and watch uh, advertising, there are an awful lot of commercials where there is a guy in the commercial who is just an idiot. It is one of the, if we want to call, what is it, uh, what's the advertising world? What's the street I'm blanking on? Madison Avenue, right? Mm. So it's sort of a Madison Avenue go-to that if you it's, sit down and really watch commercials, and I know a lot of people don't watch commercials, but the, the standard, hey, dad or the brother or these multiple guys are just idiots. Thank God women are here to smarten them up. Mm. There's just it, it just become it's just become we've become just again, we're just amidst this woke society where there are certain things that no, it's not acceptable and you can't. But there are certain things all of a sudden now that it's OK for one group to say this. It's one it's, who just what's the kid's name that just won the slam dunk contest? Mac McClung. Matt, Matt McClung. And yet Twitter was just bombarded it's blasphemy that a white guy, that a white this, or a white that, the white man, but the white, 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 white. It's blasphemy if, what, that he won? No, yeah, because he's white on Black History Month. At I didn't at see any it, of that. Is that right? Really? Really? I didn't see any of that. No, I, I, I'm, being, I'm being true. Okay, I didn't well, see any of that. Go search Twitter because it was all over the place. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I tweeted, I was like, somewhere Billy Hoyle is smiling. Billy Hoyle is a character that Woody Harrelson portrayed in the movie White Men Can't Jump, which, by the way, is a racist title. Yeah. And uh, obviously it is, right? Wouldn't that now be in 2023 a racist title? Well, back, back to the original discussion, I don't mind when women raise their hand and say, hey, I'm offended by that. That's okay with me. Can I get uh, Before we get out of here, I'll give you a recommended viewing. Okay. You know, one of our favorites is Dionne Warwick. Did you ever see the CNN documentary on... It's actually not CNN. It's HBO. Documentary on Dionne Warwick. No. What a what a freaking tell me about it? super powerful woman over the years, over the last 60 or 70 years. Amazing stuff. And she told a great story, and it was backed up by someone who was part of the story. She got really mad uh, in the, say, mid-'90s, right, when gangster rap was popping up, and it was bitch this, bitch that, right? Mm-hmm. And she actually, she called Snoop and Suge Knight and said, be at my house 7 a.m. tomorrow. I want to talk to you. Oh. And there was a sit down and she actually said to him, and pardon my French, I'll say it one more time because that's the story. But she, she talked to him a little bit and she says, you know, you're better than that. I don't like you guys using this language. And she stops and she goes, you know what? Call me a bitch right now. And Snoop was like, oh. It's kind of like that. And, and he, he kind of he took it to heart. Like, you, know, you have to think sometimes like, hey, there is another side and at least listen to why people are offended. Yeah. Don't immediately go into a shell and, and go, hey, I'm getting attacked. If people get offended, at least learn from it. It's kind of like that Delroy Lindo interview when the host was trying to, you know, just kind of trivialize the N word. And he goes, well, go ahead. Go ahead. Say it. Go ahead. Say it. Right. No, say it. You want to say it. Say it. I said, no, 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 I don't, I don't want to say it. I'm just asking. So, I get it. I get it. I just, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't have a problem with it, but I understand. I understand this. I understand in 2023 why people are offended. I get it. Thanks to UNLV today for housing the show here at the Thomas and Mac. 
Big week next week. Get your tickets for the Mountain West Conference Tournament. Senior night tonight. Still tickets available. You got cheap beer specials. Free T-shirts are going out. Senior night against Utah State. Utah State, a slight favorite. This is going to be a really competitive game and probably an up-and-down game. Aggies are really tough offensively. 8 o'clock tip.